know, art and sport are a form of expression. And, you know, you can, it can be really hard at times. Like sometimes I stare at a blank canvas and I'm like, I have no idea, right? And sometimes I go for a run and I'm like, why are my legs so heavy? And both I think are really similar in that they're hard and they're beautiful and they're fun and they're, and they're difficult. Welcome to the Rise and Shine podcast. My name is Nat Ambrosi. I am so excited to have Celia on today. She is a Rise Mind Power coach and um, used to play soccer. Now she's also a soccer coach. Um, so welcome, Celia. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here and see your face and, you know, get to get to talk to you today. Yeah. So let's kick it off. Um, so one of the things when I first met you, um, you live in New York, so it must be cold right there, cold there now. Um, yeah, it's been it's been all over the place. One yeah. day, you, one day you wear a sweatshirt. The next day you're in like five layers. Today it was just like raining, but hot. I mean, we're all confused over here, so I'm not really sure what to prepare for. But yeah, um, cold winters here for sure. Definitely. Tell me a little bit about I know that you're a youth soccer coach right now. Um, along with what you do with Rise. Tell me a little bit about that and how you got into coaching. Of course. So coaching has been something that I've pretty much been doing uh, most of my life. Uh, growing up, I played on a club soccer team. And as we got older, we were always in positions to give back, whether it was to volunteer at camps, um, get called in for clinics. So coaching was always something that I really admired. I had wonderful coaches growing up and I kind of put them on a huge pedestal just in terms of like, I thought, you know, that they could move mountains because um, I saw them do that with me and a lot of my friends. So it was always something that through throughout my life, um, I dabbled in. And um, in college, I, I got to work some clinics and I would volunteer as well um, in the Albany area. And we can get into that later. But um, but I got back into coaching as like a primary job um, during the pandemic, actually. Um, up until that, it was always, you know, I was a sports journalist first, and then I was able to coach and do other things on the side. Um, but it was always on the side. Um, during the pandemic, I made a decision to go back to Massachusetts, where my family was from. And that was really hard for me because I kept wanting to find another excuse to get back to New York, even though it was um, really, really difficult in New York at the time. And I um, saw a position um, for a youth club in Brooklyn for, to run a girls program. And I had, you know, coaching experience in the past, but, you know, running a whole girls program was something that seemed super appealing to me just getting to promote a program that I thought had incredible core values, um, really amazing coaches that I had known just from like the soccer scene in Brooklyn. And, you know, just the opportunity to get to get to convince girls to love the game and stay in the game and work with anywhere from ages from three to 16. So I kind of jumped all over it and I ended up getting um, a position to work back in Brooklyn. So I came back here and it was around the summertime. So they were still playing soccer during the pandemic, but it was a whole different scene. So I was starting brand new. These kids didn't really know me, but I had to wear a mask. So no one really knew my face. I was kind of just like this stranger who was getting back into soccer. They knew about my career and, um, you know, with all the press releases and everything that happens, but 
they didn't really know me. And it was a really, it was a huge challenge just to, you know, get kids to trust you in the first place and then have to trust you with this barrier. Um, but we got through the pandemic together, I ended up growing the girls program pretty drastically um, and getting to work with incredible families and talent. Um, over that course, I actually found myself loving coaching way more than directing. I loved what I got to do on the field, the off the field stuff. I wanted to save my energy for writing. Um, getting registration numbers didn't keep me up and fuel me, but like seeing the impact that I had on the field and the conversations I had with the girls and their parents, I loved. Like I could play outside all day. It is where I'm my happiest and I'm a kid. So it was kind of a dream come true to just get to play with them all the time. So right now um, I primarily coach under 13 girls. So they're 12 years old starting middle school. Um, and I have a great group. It's been really incredible to work with them over the past two years because I've seen incredible growth um, for, for, for them and their age, because you know this is such an interesting age for girls. And I remember what I was like in their age. And I actually got, got asked a question the other day was, would you think your 13 year old self was cool? And I was like, well, I'm trying to convince these girls that I'm cool and they still don't think I'm cool. So I probably wouldn't think I was cool. And it's, um, I mean, I, I, I really, I really love working with them and I'm excited to see what comes next. And I just want them to love the game the way I did. And even if they don't go on to play in college or professionally, that they'll remember this time as, as a time that was filled with donuts every Saturday really hard practices three to four times a week, traveling to all parts of Brooklyn, Long Island, me having to like guard our field because there are just no rules when it comes to permits in New York City. I mean, the soccer scene here is, is different than I think anywhere in the world. <laughs> um, and I've seen a lot of soccer all over the world. And I say that because um, just the fight for space is super prevalent and being a female and having a presence at the field is really challenging at times um but it's really it's really important for me to be that role model for them um because you know the biggest thing with sports is creating a safe environment right so you have an uphill battle when you're in new york and you're out in this space where some people would consider it their backyard right like the local parks in all the different neighborhoods people consider their, that their backyard, which is fair, right? If you grew up yeah. in that neighborhood. Um, but, you know, then we come in and we're a club and we're like, well, we have practice at this time. So it really is like first come, first serve. Like permits mean something, but it really is kind of like respect and holding your ground. So that was a huge challenge for me. And it still is. Um, so I have to get to practice an hour and a half sometimes early. And most coaches show up like 15 minutes growing up. Like I could go to any field. No one would be there. Right. Like in the suburbs, yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. And I'm sure soccer, right. Or specifically for whatever season it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, there is no, there isn't any, like, you know, just in the middle of the game, like a crazy person could run through like that doesn't happen. And so for me, I'm like this mama bear now, because I'm like, I have to protect my space. I have to protect these girls. And I have to coach them and show them that, you know, when they're in my spot one day, they have every right to, you know, claim their space and practice and develop. And so it's been 
incredible. It's been challenging, um, but I love it. And, you know, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I wish they all didn't have cell phones now <laughs> right. because it like adds a whole nother level at this age, but um, it's really great. Yeah. I love that piece that you were talking about with like, you're, you know, you get it there an hour early, you're guarding the field for them so that they have access to play this game that, you know, when you were growing up, you just, you know, there was soccer goals set up, right. Mm -hmm. For you to go to. So talk a little bit more about, like, I know there's, there's a statistic out there about how a certain amount, certain percent of girls quit sport at a certain age. Um, what do you think is the most beneficial for these girls in, in learning in sport? Like, what are they learning in sport that is helping them in life? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's there's a, a lot point. of things, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing that I really, I find super important is them having a female coach now. Um, I think that, you know, there are so few women coaches, um, in youth sports and, it's, it's really strange because when I was trying to get coaches to come work for the club, when I was running the girls program, it was a struggle to find women. And, but there are so many women that are involved in sports and would be incredible coaches. But I think until we get, you know, more women involved in sports, it's still going to be kind of like a shocker when you get to college and then you have a female coach or when you get to the next level. But if they have start having female coaches at this age, I think it's just going to make everything, you know, more balanced. Um, they're going to know how to react to both because having a male coach and a female coach can be incredibly different depending on who you have. And, you know, it was, it was something where growing up, I had all male coaches and I didn't have anybody to talk to about the other stuff, you know, apart from my girlfriends and we were all trying to figure out our bodies and, all of that. And then when I got to college, I had, a, I had a female coach and I had no idea how to act. Like it was, it was this, cause I didn't have any really female athletic role models apart from the women that I'd watch on TV or that I'd read about in the, in the Boston Globe. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a normal thing. So I think it's so important to start normalizing and finding ways to get women into coaching role, roles at the youth level. Because when that happens, I think it's just going to open up so many doors because girls are going to be supported by women. Women are going to start supporting girls. And it's just going to be this incredible thing where, you know, they get to the next level and going to take over. Like it's, and, you know, I see the conversations that I have now with them. And I think about how much I wanted to be having those conversations when I was their age. So I think like a way that we can keep girls in sport is, making women and women in sport more accessible, right? So like I have girls on my team that love soccer, but are interested in writing, are interested in art. I have so many conversations with them about those things too, because it's okay to have other interests. It's okay to be balanced. When you're at soccer, yeah, you're at soccer, but like the second it's over, it's okay if you wanna talk about something else. And I welcome that. Like, I don't have it be like a situation where it, there's so much pressure to be obsessed with one thing because we're told that in order to be great, you have to be, you know, obsessed and super, super diligent about training for that one specific thing, which I think is true to an extent, right? Like I think in order to be great at anything, but, you know, it's important as a kid 
to, to talk about balance, to talk about, you know, what it is that you love, because if they don't love the game, I'm not doing my job. So I try and find things that they love about soccer. And I bring that out in every, I try and bring it out in every practice. And in order to do that, you just have to know, you have to get to know the girls really well. I'm, I'm currently getting, um, a, a license in coaching, a de-license in coaching, and it goes all the way up. And it's a really long, it's a really long journey to get to the top. And there's some crazy statistic, like maybe like there's four women currently that have an A license. I don't know, don't quote me on that, but there's very few women that have their A license. And, you know, coaches like Jill Ellis, who was the US Women's National Team coach, she has a scholarship program that helps support women get all their coaching licenses. So I think like, doing things like this, the fact that I'm talking about getting my license with these girls just shows them that there are women like me that are committed to helping them. And if they ever want to go this route instead of playing, you can do it. But yeah, it was a really long way of saying, like, I just think it's incredibly important to, to find the things that every individual kid loves about the game. And it could be like playing pickup or the scrimmage at the end of practice. But if you make that the best, they're going to keep doing it. Right. Because I mean, it, in all, even if you get to that professional level, the Olympic level, it's all about enjoying it. Because right. I think that there is that point that, and I, oh, swimmers always joke, and I don't know if it's the same in other sports of like, you get to the college level and you're like, I don't like this sport. Like, I really, <laughs> yeah. really don't like it. Why have I done it my whole life? But yeah. You know, it's that when you're a kid, like, what are those things that you find fun? You know, I loved like jumping up and down and dolphin, di dolphin diving down the pool. And I do that right. at the end of practice in college. Cause I'm like, you know, this is fun. So it's yeah. refining that love for sport. And I think, you know, if you don't ever lose that or you don't lose it as much, that's so powerful. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so funny to hear you talk about swimming because like, to me, that is so not fun, but like, that's coming from like a land athlete's perspective. Right. So I'm like in the water, what could I find that was fun? Probably when I got out of the water, but like, <laughs> but like, I hear what you're saying in terms of like, with every sport, there's that like part of my favorite part about soccer practice was like the water break when we got to like shoot the shit and like we just got to you know have the moment where we just like talked about what just happened on the field we regrouped went back to it or like the juggling circle before training so like I hear you it's 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 so funny to think about like the parts of our sport that like we really love and then then as we got older we're like a moment of fear <laughs> right yeah because it, it it becomes like you were saying like sport could sometimes become your whole life and you're so mm -hmm. focused in on that um, talk a little bit more about, you know, you say you work with your athletes, whether they're really into writing or art. And I know for me as an athlete, I've always been an artist and I've always mm -hmm. felt kind of like the oddball out. I wrote about this the other day of, okay, I love art, but I also like athletics. Yeah. Those things don't seem, most people think that those are the opposite thing. Mm -hmm. So talk about how you talk to your athletes about that. Um, whether that be your athletes at rise or your athletes that you coach on the field. What is that? Look yeah, like? I mean, I think art is such a beautiful thing. I mean, I I grew up um, in a house of writers and creators. Um, so I very much like come from that world where like when I was a little girl, 
I was, so my grandfather was an artist, um, a painter, he did watercolors, everything. So I grew up admiring him. Like when I, I, when I was little, I wanted to be like him. So I would always sit on his porch in Rockport, Mass, which is this beautiful little town by the water. And we would just paint together all the time. And it was funny, like I, I would find his collections and he would paint like women and all these things and I would mimic him. So my parents were like, Celia, we have all these like incredible like paintings of you painting nudes when you were like five years old, what should we do with them? But I was just, I loved how free art felt to me. Um, and as I grew older, I actually went to a school sixth through 12th grade that was for art and it was for writing. So the athlete part of me was just, you know, was something I did, but I wasn't obsessed with it really until later on. Like I wanted to do art. I wanted to be a writer. I sang, like I was very much like into all the other things and I just like to play sports too. Um, and then something clicked and I got like pretty, pretty good at soccer and basketball and lacrosse. And I started having to like shift and find ways to balance both. And I started to have less time to do art and I would have to go to practice and games, but it still felt to me like a way I could express myself. Um, now I see how similar the two are, in my opinion. Like when I, after, after a soccer game or when I work out, I still feel the way I feel after I, after I release everything that I'm feeling on a, on a, on a canvas. Um, and I think, you know, art and sport are a form of expression and, you know, you can, it can be really hard at times. Like sometimes I stare at a blank canvas and I'm like, I have no idea. Right. And sometimes I go for a run and I'm like, why are my legs so heavy? And both I think are really similar in that they're hard and they're beautiful and they're fun and they're, and they're difficult. And when I talk to my players about art, cause I have a fair amount of artists on my team. I, I, first of all, I'm always just like curious what, what it is that they draw or if they paint or if they like doing clay or what it is that they do. And I just, I encourage them to continue doing it. I say, you know, even if you have a hard day at school, like don't ever turn away from, from your notebook or your, or your, um, or your canvas, you know, turn to that. It's okay. If you had a hard practice, like talk about it, draw it. Um, if you ever want to just hang out and draw, like I'm here because I think, you know, sometimes the other one can really help the other one. Right. So like I found myself when I would feel stuck in writing, when I feel stuck in my career, that's when I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm being pulled to do art. And then that opens up something else. And, you know, I, when I would feel, when I would feel stressed in college um, with soccer, like I was always, all my roommates would make fun of me because I'm like a floor painter. So I like sit on the floor, like just all sprawled out and I just like paint everywhere. And they'd be like, only Celia, like after a home game win would be like on the floor painting. But like, to me, that was how I would regroup, how I would like feel centered. Um, so I encourage it. And, and I mean, I know you're an artist. So like, I, I love talking about this with you because I, I find so many similarities between sport and art. And I think it's so funny because the, the, there is that perception that like, you can't be both. 
and that, you know, as an athlete, like you're hard and you're focused and you're not creative Well, you are creative, but like, it's different. And I love talking to people that find sort of joy in, in both things, because I think that makes them a more creative athlete in general. I mean, swimming is so beautiful in like the movements and like, I'm always inspired by the way individual athletes like find these, find these ways to get through because when you're a part of a team, it's a little, a bigger team, it's a little different. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when I, when I think about water, like I'm always inspired by water. And when I go to soccer fields, I take pictures everywhere. Like when I see a field, I'm like, look at this field. Yeah. Right. It just like, it inspires me. And the, the connection of the both, like I find soccer fields stunning. Like to me, I look at them and I'm immediately inspired. And, you know, I, I'm sure somebody like you feels that way when you see a pool, you know, it's just like you, you see, you see memories there you know, you see future there, you see hard times there, but at the end of the day, like it is creative, it's artistic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think later on in life, I started to understand that because I definitely fought it for a while. Um, and I don't know if you went through this either, but like when I was in high school, it probably started to get pretty difficult with me to, to because I felt like I did have to make a decision. Um, and through middle school, I was a little bit more chill just in terms of like, I could balance being sort of both. Like I was that hippy dippy in school and then I'd still make it to soccer practice. Um, but then it got challenging because it was like D1 offers are coming. And then it's like, you have to make a decision to be like all about your sport when you go to college. And I was at a, I was at a high school at the time where nobody went and played division one sports. It was all, I was, I believe the first person to go and play division one um, because my school was centered around artists and writers and people that are, you know, now in the world, like creating all these cures to things and doing, you know, all this remarkable work. Um, but we weren't known for our sports. Like right. everybody, everybody played sports because we had to field teams. So like I was very much like uh, an outsider in terms of like my my commitment to to soccer. So that was really hard um, because you know I'd be at school, but then I'd always I'd have to I'd have to leave and go to practices. I was gone every weekend. So I wasn't able to really get to be with my classmates because I was always traveling for soccer. Um, so it was this push pull that, um, you know, was really, really hard, um, honestly, like looking back. And I don't think I fully started to accept like the whole picture of who I was um, until really after college, um, just because I think you know, when I got to college and I went on and I decided, I made the decision to play, to play soccer in college. When I got there, I went to a completely different school from the small school I went to through sixth through 12th grade. So I went from a school where I graduated with 22 kids in my class. Wow. So that's 22 kids, my senior class. I went to the University at Albany, which is a giant school right? Capital of New York. And I just remember the first class I took, Psych 101, 550 kids in the class. 
And I was like, why doesn't the professor want to get to know me and hear my story? Because <laughs> right. I had been so used to that small environment. Um, so yeah, that, that I, like we can get into at some point, but it was just like, that was, I was not prepared for that shift. Right. To go from like, everyone knows me, everyone knows that I'm, I'm the person who does soccer. And I also, you know, create, cause I'm at this creative school and I think, you know, the one piece of, of that balance of a lot of times, I think people think it's either, or with a lot of things mm-hmm. in life, like either I can go all in for this, or I can go all in for this. And yeah. I like, I completely see even myself and in, in your story. And I feel so seen. And I think there's a lot of athletes out there that, that do like art, or maybe they like engineering. Like I right, have a group right. of friends here that they're all engineers and they all are athletes too. So it's like, they love math and science and then, you know, they go and swim in the ocean. And so I think it's that balance, but again, like we're all over 25. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a kid, you know, we don't always think that because there's society telling us that, no, you got to focus on this, Mm -hmm. right? So let's go jump in a little bit to, you know, your coaching at Rise. So the new, Mm -hmm. the mind power coaching, right? What made you want to start mind power coaching at Rise? So you you already have these athletes that you work with, right? You're, you're a coach, you teach them the technique, you talk with them. What made you decide to, you know, really focus in on the mental wellness and mindset aspect? Um, rise for me, um, was a breath of fresh air. I mean, when I, when I found out about the work that was being done here, I wish that I had that (laughs) and it felt like a piece of coaching that was even more important than the stuff that, you know, I'm doing in terms of technique and tactics and, and, you know, how to win games. Like to me, this was the work that hasn't been done and still isn't being done enough. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, for, I have firsthand experience to like struggling on the mental side of sport. And, you know, I went through four, four knee surgeries, um, due to lacrosse and soccer. And that's a lot of time in your thoughts. And that's a lot of time that I did not have the resources to know what to do. Um, and you know, ACLs, you're out for up to a year. And that's like, you go from being a kid that is playing sports 24, seven, seven days a week, you know, super active eats like three bagels a day, because I'm just like trying to fuel up to on your couch. And like, I don't even like TV. You know, I have a hard time, you know, getting through books day and day after day, right? Like I love a good rainy day where like I have an excuse to dive into a book, but every day it's like, oh my goodness, I miss my teammates. So the work that was being done at Rise for me was exactly what every young athlete and even even older athletes need um, in terms of support, in terms of advice, in terms of you know, a why and just answers to help us navigate the crazy roller coaster that is being involved in sports. And, you know, I think I really felt like I can make an impact because I work with young people all day, every day. Um, I was an athlete. I still consider myself one, 
Um, I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to not know who to talk to. And look, I'm so blessed that I have incredible parents. Like I, I know now looking back that when I wasn't doing okay, like I could have, I could have spoke up a little bit more. Um, but it was, you know, it still was really quiet back then. Like we didn't really have coaches that were talking to us about this stuff. It was very much like go out there, do your part, do your job, be strong, you know? And then when you came off the field, if you had a bad game, it was like, get over it. Right. And I was a very emotional being and I still am. And, you know, it's really funny because my brother and I, talk about this a lot because we both were athletes and we were incredibly competitive with each other. And he was two years younger than me, but he always was like a little bit, he was always a little bit ahead in terms of like his goals for sport. Like, because again, I was miss loves everything, likes to get my hands dirty and everything, but like happens to be good at soccer and then whatever. So Henry and I, but we thought about things very different. Like I would leave practices and I would be really worked up. And he would be able to just leave practice and just keep it moving. And we, we talk about it now because you know, he talks about it as he just compartmentalized a lot. And I was just constantly emotional, but both need support, right? Both need. And that's what I think, you know, our work at Rise is incredibly important because everybody handles pressure. Everybody handles adversity different. And that doesn't make how Henry handled, you know, bad practices and bad games the right way and, and the way I handle it the wrong way. It just means that everybody needs to be met somewhere by somebody. And that's why I love working with Rise because not only do we get to have these conversations, but I get to see, you know, where these athletes are at and then give them tools to, you know, get through, you know, little moments, big moments, maybe no moments, but at least we're talking about it, you know? And that's why, you know, that's why I love, I love the work that I get to do here. Such a good point that you bring up with, with all of that. But one thing that I really kind of held on to is, and you were talking about your brother, reminds me of my brother and I, like <laughs> I was an okay swimmer, but he was making all the cuts and doing all the things. And I, and you know, he wouldn't be emotional, but mm -hmm. you know, in life now, like maybe some of the tools that he could have learned from rise, like if it was around when we were both athletes would be helpful. So I think it's a, a piece to say that just because someone on your team looks like they're doing so well, or you know, you're a parent of an athlete and you see your athlete and you're like, oh, they're succeeding. They're doing so well in sport. Like, yes, you know, they're doing well in sport, but what are those other things that they may be missing or they may have a strength? How could they improve on those? So I think one thing that I always, and every time I talk about rise is that it's not just about sport. I think right. that that's something that's often missed. It's also about what are the tools in life? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit? Oh, did you have something? No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, so let's say that there's a parent that's like, oh, like, I think my athlete would be interested. Or there's an athlete that says, I really want to learn about this. But like, what is this RISE program? Like, what can I expect? What are some of your, like, things that you go over with athletes um, that you've seen them succeed or you've, you know, seen them grow in a way? Yeah. I mean, the one that I love to start out with is, you know, first, first, when you meet these athletes, you, you really want to know like what it is that they love, what makes them scared, 
and what they're going through. I feel like those those three things for me are a really good baseline to then figure out what we're tapping into. I mean, people don't always necessarily want to start with like, what are you scared of? Um, but understanding what you're scared of then allows you to think about the things that don't scare you and the things that actually make you feel really good. So how can we shift that conversation from like, okay, I'm really scared of when you're at tryouts and there are all these men with clipboards. <laughs> it's like, okay, right? So that is a true thing. A lot of athletes feel pressure in those situations by just like a clipboard. So the work that I get to do is have them focus on something else, right? So for me, it's, and for like what I say is, okay, if you're really scared of those men in clipboards, ignore the clipboards, right? Focus on putting on your cleats, poke, focus on, you know, visualization, right? What you're going to do in that tryout, that's going to make you feel good, right? Only let those, those thoughts be like clouds. And I love this. Yes. That we learned in rise, right? In the training, it's like thoughts are like clouds. They're going to keep moving. And I say this all the time with our, with my athletes, because it's so true. It's not a fact, right? The way that you're, you're scared of the men with the clipboard, they could be writing wonderful things about you. Just keep that thought moving. And, you know, I found that to be great. And another thing that I think is really wonderful about the RISE program is it just allows these, these young athletes and these, these kids an opportunity to talk and talk to somebody because, you know, sometimes that, that player, that player uh, or that player coach relationship is, doesn't feel natural. Sometimes it's, you know, I've had coaches that I couldn't say anything like that. I couldn't go to, I've had, you know, even like role models on teams that were much older than me that I didn't feel comfortable going to. So what I love about this is like, we're on the same level here, right? Like there's no, I'm your coach. I'm going to make a decision if you play or not. It's I'm here as a friend, you know, I'm here to just talk to you and we're going to make a game plan. And I think like what we all, what we all love at, especially as athletes is a game plan. Like, here's how I can get to be where I want to be. So I think being really intentional about where, where you're at and where we're, where we want to get to is, inc is incredibly effective. Um, and just giving lots of like reflective exercises, like working on, you know, how you felt after training, what felt different this day, if this has been a good week, a bad week, because as somebody that is very creative, I always found journaling. I always found that as something that worked really well for me to go back to, to figure out like, wow, is there like a trend in this part of the season? Am I like struggling in the winter more than the spring? Well, maybe it has to do with the weather, but maybe it has to do with all these tryouts that are being lined up. So how can I put a little bit more love into that time to better prepare me? So. Yeah, all of all of the pieces. I mean, I'm like, we can literally talk forever about this of the importance. Like, and every single mind power coach that I've talked to on the podcast or talked to just in person, whatever it may be, you know, the amazing thing is that each of you have a different experience in sport. 
you know, there's different things that you learn through your training at Rise of different tools and tips for athletes and, and different ways of communication. But the really special thing is that there's like almost 40 mind power coaches and everyone yeah. has a different way. And there's, there's going to be a fit for every athlete too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like having a best friend, like not everyone could be everyone's best friend. You know, people mesh well together. Yeah. Um, and so I think what you're saying there, and I love the piece of, you said, you know, journaling works really well for me. Right. And like, for me, I know like the best thing for me is to talk into a voice memo and that's how I journal because I like to talk and then I'll, yeah. I'll re-listen to it or I just won't, I'll just voice memo yeah. it and forget it. Well, so podcasts are perfect for you. Yes, Matt. That's probably you why. I mean, like <laughs> conversation, right? Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> Um, like, can I just submit my answers? Like that would work. Yes. Like, it's like, I like writing, but you know, I'd rather just talk. It's just like, like on a test, you know, you're taking a test and you're like, where's the voice memo option. If that yeah. was the thing when I was in high school, you know, or college. So, so true. No, for sure. Um, so kind of wrapping up one of the questions yeah. that, um, I want to talk about is, Tell me a little bit about your experience. So you talked about before that you had coaches that you would go to, but you never really had, you know, a soccer coach that you could talk to about these different things. You know, how were you able to find someone? Um, or maybe you didn't, maybe, maybe you learned through and that's why you're doing what you're doing. Um, if, since it was not a soccer coach, like who was that person? What did mindset coaching look like for you? Yeah, so mindset coaching growing up wasn't, wasn't really a thing. I mean, I remember vividly in college, they were trying to find somebody that could be, um, part of like the sports psych department, but there was one person for every sports team for every sports, right. There was one person and we're talking lacrosse program, basketball program, softball, baseball, cheerleading, soccer, soccer, like one person. So, you know, that, I mean, in college for me was the hardest time mentally, because um, like I talked about in the past, I had to deal with a bunch of injuries. I no longer was an environment that was, that felt supportive of my writing and my art. Like I was in a very athletic centric space. Um, Like we were eating and breathing soccer all the time. And I loved it, but you know, the moments that were really dark for me were when I was hurt because I wasn't sure I really wanted to be in Albany anymore when I was hurt. And they, you know, we talk about this all the time with athletes that are looking at schools. It's make sure you're going to love the place when it doesn't go your way. And I was eventually able to find other things that I loved. I started working for the student newspaper. I branched out. I met friends that just weren't athletes. I worked in a restaurant. I worked in the for the Times Union, which was like a newspaper in, in Albany. So I found those things. But what I turned to in the moments that were hard for me, it was quite internal. It was a lot of like writing, um, art, like I talked about on the floor. But I had two incredible roommates um, that were my teammates that were going through very similar struggles to me, but in different ways. Um, One like had played their whole life, played freshman year, then didn't play again. The other one, you know, struggled in school and 
we all, we got really close because we all had, you know, our different setbacks, but where we met in the middle was we always looked out for each other. And we were in the dorms freshman and sophomore year. Then we moved into a house off campus and that house was like our safe space. It was, it was a place where we, you know, we had to wake up early. One of us would drive us to lift in the morning. We would all do our different classes, but we'd always wait for each other. We hit up Chipotle. And even though like, I wasn't like, telling them specifically what was going on. It was that support system that felt incredibly safe and felt like, okay, if I wasn't having a great day, I at least knew that I would come home to two friends that would have my back. And that if I wanted to cry, they'd be like, okay, let's do it. Watch Grey's Anatomy, order Chinese food. And for me, like that was my tribe. Like that made me feel supported and like there was light when it felt super dark like that was my reason to continue being at at Albany even when you know I wasn't playing soccer um and then you know it all came full circle where like senior year all three of us started playing again um we were living together we won the America East we went to the NCAA tournament my knee felt okay and you know now we're all living in different states um but you know I still get calls we still call each other check in all the time so like that would be a piece of advice I would give is like even if you don't know even if you don't have a coach or you don't have um a mind a mind power coach maybe there's a friend or maybe there's somebody that isn't going through the exact same thing you're going through but are good at listening are are there to remind you of like the other things that make you great are there to like, you know, hug you really tight, you know, grab you a coffee and just be like there for you. And I truly believe that as human beings, like we all, we all do want to find people that lift us up and support us. And like my hope as a RISE mentor is that I can be that person for any athlete that I work with, you know, and like, I genuinely think of <laughs> these 12 year old girls as my friends. Because like, I, you know, I don't think about age. I think about like, we are two people that, yeah, have different backgrounds, but like, we're all just trying to be happy <laughs> and we're all trying to, you know, stick with it, stick with this crazy thing called life and love and love what we're doing and like make an impact. And with that, like you could be 10 years old and like, I could still meet you in the middle, you know, because it's. I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's it's that being seen piece, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. You know, seen for who you are, not for, you know, what you're doing. And yeah, yeah, you could be a great soccer player, great swimmer, great this, great that, but like seen for your personality and each and every person is unique. Uh, right. Regardless right. of if they're an athlete or an artist or, you know, anything that we've talked about. So yeah. I know, and I, I love, I love seeing, seeing all the parts of people. And like, I love the fact that I've gotten to know you and I know this part about how creative you are because it's like, wow, like you're doing so many things. And that makes me now, you know, I feel like able to talk more, to more about you and just understand you in a more holistic way. And, you know, I love, I love asking the question to, to my athletes, like, what do you love? Like, it doesn't have to be that you love this sport. It doesn't have to be that you but like, I just want to know what you love because we need to find, we need to find out how to get you more of that. 
um, because, you know, that's truly what it's all about. Like, I loved soccer, but like, I more so loved the whole, the part that was my team, the part that was the beautiful fields, the part that was the feeling of like running and stride after stride, like on an open field. And like, when the ball hits your foot, like, I love that feeling. And so I love finding that and talking about that with, with everybody. <laughs> so, so beautiful. I want to end there and thank you so much for joining. Um, such a wonderful conversation and, and we can go in so many different directions totally. for more podcasts. There's so many things that we've talked about and, you know, a lot of things that I think athletes, parents, you know, the, the teenager who, who loves art or writing or engineering can all take away from this. So thank you so much for, for coming on and joining us. Oh, thank you, Nat. This was, this was wonderful. And we, we need to find a time that we can like paint together yes, and like, yeah, like art. Paint. yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this is great. Find more about Rise. Um, if you want to be an athlete in the program or sponsor an athlete, you can visit riseathletes.com. Make sure you also follow us on social media. This is where that will be posted as well. So you might already be seeing it on social. Um, again, I'm Nat Ambrosi. Thanks for watching and listening. Uh, remember, you make such an impact in the world.